to play in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Turn handle in left side. Finds a little bit of a hole, keeps his leg moving. He's across the 40, midfield, 45, he's on the run winch. 40, pushes the man, 35, look at him go. He's down to 20, 15, he could go. He is going to go. Touchdown, Seahawks. Oh, my word. A 67-yard run. Marshawn Lynch, unbelievable. The beast is alive and well. Wide receivers to either side. Russell takes the snap. He drops back. He's going to throw down the middle. He's got a man. Come on. It has been decided, maybe since the safety in the first quarter. 12, they're bringing the trophy home. Your Seahawks, Super Bowl 48 champion. Ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, a very warm welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. I hope you're all doing well. Uh, a week is a long time in the NFL, isn't it? Uh, dearie me, the emotions have changed on this podcast, as I'm sure all of yours have as well, uh, after the highs of the week one win over the Denver Broncos to the week two loss and crashing back down to reality this week against the Niners. Um, yeah, as Quandria Diggs has said, I think we're pretty bad. Um, and, and, and we're now, we're now accepting it. We're now realising it. The, the, the week one honeymoon is, is finished. Week two has kicked us right in the bollocks. And uh, and we're here, and, and we're going to talk about it. Twenty-seven to seven, uh, really disappointing loss, man. Um, it, it it it's it's not the fact we lost. I think it's the nature of the loss and and the stuff that we're going to get into tonight and and discuss it with everyone. Um, so I'm interested to to hear the opinions that'll be flying around the room tonight. Um, and 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 with me tonight, as always, it's Mr. Positive himself, Pez. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Oh, that's a surprise. Um. I'm looking forward to this one. Oh, yeah. Funny enough. Yeah. Oh. A bit of my old, uh, any long-term listeners from last year will know what uh, rant I'd go on. And it's spiking its interest in my head again. I'm going to try and not go too over the top. Oh, good. But I don't know if I know how to not go over the top. That's That's fair enough. But seeing as this game was a load of tosh, I've got something very interesting off Seahawks topic. It's a thought I had last year. So we all play fantasy football. I reckon most of our listeners play fantasy football. So Julio Jones is a theory I came up with last year, right? Julio Jones was at the Titans last year. And what happened to AJ Brown? He was awful. Mm-hmm. Right? So I I called him the wide receiver. He's like the Grim Reaper of the wide receivers, right? He signed for the books, and then I told my mates who play fantasy, I said, I would not touch the books with a barge pole because he's there now. What's happened to all their receivers? Mike Evans just wants to fight. Godwin's broken. Gage, broken. Julio Jones, broken. Where are you going with this, Pez? 
That's just it. That's just it. Julio Jones in fantasy football, for anyone who plays fantasy football, just run away from the books as quick as you can because he destroys wide receivers' production. It's nothing Seahawks related. I did warn you off air that I'm just going to chuck a curveball in there. This is more fun and entertain my week than that game was. That game no, spiked my blood pressure through the roof. So I entertain myself in fantasy football, even that's though I'm well, tosh at that as well. Well, thanks for the free tips and the free advice then, Pez. That, that, that's, I'll take that on board. Thanks, considering I have the books defence, I'll take that on board. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, avoid the books at all costs, unless you've got their defence. Yes, 29 points this week. Get in. Josh, you can't, you can't do anything wrong with them. Um, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to have to get through this pod by drinking beer just to try and get rid of the memories of Sunday. Um, but we're about to relive it. So let's, oh, let's do it. Sorry, what, sorry. What, what beer are you drinking? <laughs> um, some orange IPA thing from Asda. Oof, I don't only, know. Only the top shelf stuff then, dearie me. Oh, oh you know it. Oh, oh nah, that's the problem, Josh. I don't know, mate. Um, right. <laughs> Let's start, because we're going to start with Geno Smith, and then we're going to go with the rest, some of the running game, then we're going to head to the defence and, and, and outside the ball. But we always start with the offence, um, and we're going to start with it tonight. And there's only one place to start, really. Geno Smith. Um, again, it it's just really... If you look at his stat line, it, it will confuse you, and, and because we're going to... I'd imagine we're going to criticise Geno Smith quite a lot on this podcast tonight. His stat line is a, is a 24 for 30 completion ratio, obviously no touchdowns, 197 yards and in that interception. Um, so completing 24 out of 30, 30 of your attempts, of your passes, is, is very good, very efficient. Um, but we're not moving the ball, are we? And this, this dunking and dipping offence where we take five, six yards on a little Geno conservative throw isn't moving the ball down the field it's not working um so it, it it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a red herring that stat line um and for me for me just before i thought to you guys I, I i even though it is only week two i do think this is time now for drew lock to have his chance this is six quarters of football now without a, an offensive scoring touchdown anywhere besides the he <laughs> michael jackson kickoff return um that's six quarters of no offensive touchdown um, and, um, and the offence has been found out already. It's stagnant. We can't move the ball on, on granted, two good defensive units, but we can't move the ball on them. And um, I think that the time for being conservative is is over. You've got a quarterback in Drew Locke who is probably going to turn the ball over more than Geno Smith. But if we're not moving the ball down the field anyway under Geno, I think Drew Locke with a better arm, with more mobility, um, and, and we'll take a few more risks to push the ball down the field. I think I think it's time to to see a little bit of Drew. To be honest, um, that's my opening statement. Um, <laughs> I'm going to throw it to you first, Pez. <laughs> what did you make of Gino's performance last night? Because I, 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 do you share the same opinion of me that it's time for a change, or are you going to roll with Gino for another week? Well, we all know it's time for a change before he even came on the field. Mm. Like. People, the emotions and everything, like people are like, oh, I don't believe, like listening to various podcasts and things like that. People are like, oh, I don't, I don't believe um, 
it had anything to do with emotions and this, that and the other. But I think it did. Pete Carroll came out and said, after the game, we specifically game-planned game planned for Russ. Mm. And it, we, we've seen it in the past. Well, I know I've seen it. Like, in my head, I had that uncomfortable feeling that when we have these shock wins in recent years where people think, oh, you shouldn't win that game, we always seem to come out the next week and play absolutely ass. And we've seen it yet again. And with Gino, do you know, do you know what? He is what he is. I, I, I don't even think he's the person to blame. I, re- no. I really don't think he's really the one to blame because what you see in there is essentially a poor man's Jimmy Garoppolo. What you've seen in that game is two quarterbacks who basically are asked to do exactly the same thing. And look what one did compared to the other. Mm. Right? Now, is that quarterback ability or is that coaching? Like... Mm-hmm. For me personally, we, we've we all said it multiple times. Like I said last week, I'm not getting overexcited with this whole Gino's the one and everyone getting all hyped up. You wrote me off and I didn't write back all that jargon he came out with. Yeah, that's cool. It's class. Yeah, we won. It's good feelings. But I said, I'm not buying in. Prove me wrong season. Mm. And mm, Gino is what he is. That's what he does. But look what happened. Like I said last week, when he started getting pressured, he had to start moving quickly. Who do you think he was? Russell Wilson. I said it multiple times at night. Geno Smith needs to stop holding that ball on too long because whereas Russ had the escapability factor, even in his later years, Geno's like a submarine. Mm. He can't just stand there in the pocket for ages, hold the balls too scared to throw to DK and just hope because he's just that system quarterback who doesn't want to get turnovers, and he's had it drilled into him by Pete, protect the ball, protect the ball, protect the ball. It doesn't freaking matter when you end up getting sacked for a loss of five, a loss of six, a loss of seven, because you hold on for it too long. You've been watching Russell Wilson for too long. You think you can escape, but Joey Bolsa, Nick Bolsa, I'm glad when these Bolsa brothers get out of my life. <laughs> um, but when Nick Bolsa's chopping at your heels, when Greenlaw's chopping at your heels, he's not quick enough. Mm. Like they're, they're the things that really piss me about his play. Holding the ball too long, praying that someone got available. Well, do you know what? Sometimes you've got to stop doing what Granddad Pete tells you to do, and you need to just use your own noggin a little bit and go, DK's quite tall. Them receivers, mm, let's just give it a go. Because the one time he tried it, it worked. Even though it didn't, because we got the holding call. But yes, it did work. It was an amazing catch by DK. Just ironically, the no, it was the Abe Lucas was too far downfield. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. eligible player upfield. That's yeah, something I want to get onto later as well. As well about these flags on these rookies. I th- that's I'll somehow bring it up later on, maybe on the defense with Kobe Bryant or something. But keeping it on Gino, yeah. I don't blame Gino because he's just doing what he's just doing the best of his ability. I blame the coaching staff. I blame blame Pete. Everything falls back on Pete, in my opinion. Everything does. I just blame. Back, Pez. 
It's only game week two. <laughs> but like I said, I'm not going to try and bang a drum so much. I think. I don't know. I'm. It's a bit annoying. It makes a nice sound when you bang it. But to keep it on just the quarterbacks for now, yes, Pete, in my opinion, should have brought Drew in. If you're, not, if you're going to punt on fourth and one and not have the balls to be aggressive, mm. then what is the point in keeping Gino out when he's clearly limited in the game set? Yeah. Um... He's, not, he's not going to hurt his confidence. He's a backup. He always has been a backup. It's 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 a tough one. Um, yeah, you, you brought up the fourth and one situation there, and I, I do just want to have a because you before we forget about it, I do want to have just a little mini rant, and I'm going to bring Josh in to to see what his opinions are on Geno Smith. Um, yeah, that fourth and one out of out, out of everything that happened last night in in, in terms of the players and 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 and. All the decisions, all the flags, all the stupid wildcat format, all of that. Um, nothing, nothing disappointed me and peed me off more than than the fourth and one punt. Um, it, it's all of us acknowledge and all of us accept that we're going to be a bad team this year. That's not a problem. We all understand why we're going to be a bad team this year. We've all accepted it now. Um, but I'm not here to sit and watch a bad football team as well as a boring football team. I don't, I'm not, I'm not here for that. The, the, the NFL season is too short. The NFL off season is too long. Life is too short. Um, it, 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 I'm not here to, if, if, because that in a sense, in, in essence, at the start of the fourth quarter to punt it away like that on fourth and one, you are then admitting defeat to the 49ers. You are then saying, you know, we can't beat you. Just have the ball back. You're at home in front of your home fans. You go and score another touchdown for them and and, and, and just play your stuff. Um, damage limitation. Damage limitation. But whereas you look at the Jaguars and Doug Pedersen, every time in whatever situation, practically wherever on the field, if it's fourth and one, he, has, he, he does not hesitate and says, go for it. Trevor Lawrence, go for it. Offense, go for it. And and it works. Most of the time, it works. And... and I just, I, I just don't want us, Pez. I just don't want us to be a team this year that that rolls over and accepts defeat. If we're going to be bad this year, be bad by being a bit ballsy. Be bad by being, just having the 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 bollocks to to say, do you know what? If we're going to lose, we're going to lose with a bit of fight. We're going to lose with a bit of by by trying to trying to impose as much as we can on each game. And I just, I, I it really disappointed me because I thought we'd be. I, I didn't think this was Pete's philosophy. I didn't think this was our team. I didn't think this is what we'd be we'd be doing, especially on the road. It, it, I mean, you're on the road. I mean, it's it's just I, I don't know that that really that really peed me off. Um, so I, I hope we don't see that again on fourth or one in that situation. I don't want to see us punting ever again. Let's be a bad team, but let's be a bad team that has a has a bit of something to it, has a bit of fight to it. Um, Josh. After following on from that, I do apologise that I'm leading you on off the, off the back of that rant. Um, I'm such a fine. That's a long get him, Josh. You have, get mate. him, Josh. A, you know, I'm, I'm I've I've mulled this over since Sunday. I've listened to a lot of other podcasts. I've watched a lot of stuff on YouTube, and like, as we said, we know what Gino is. 
that's it. Regardless of Pete saying we've shown us enough now over the last two games for us to open up more throws and more of a route tree, I, I, I'm calling bollocks straight away because the fact is you're starting QB. If you've not given him the full playbook as a starting QB, there's something inherently wrong there anyway. That's just masking the pure fact that even though his completion percentage was fantastic, as James said, he did nothing with it. It was short throws, it was laterals, it was utter rubbish. He had one good throw to DK, and that actually made us a net positive. That was called back because of Abe Lucas, fine, which in my opinion, the whole Abe Lucas thing was he was just pushing his fella too far, mm. which is why he got too far upfield. Pancake party. For guy. <laughs> yeah, big time. All right. The... <sighs> The thing that we've got to appreciate is this year is even though they've labelled it a retooling year or whatever, it's a tank year. I, I have come to terms with this. I've come to terms with the fact that this season is going to be so painful to watch that it might turn some people off the Seahawks. If that's the case, get off our bandwagon. All right? It might anger some of us. There may be some sweary fast-paced rants on this pod but it is what it is like this i think it's the same as last season first game of the season we looked at what we did and went oh my god this our offense looks dynamic it looks good we're using all of the, the you know all the receivers as they should be and this game just reverted back to type however the type was gino trying to make really conservative throws to protect the ball which he did but did nothing for our offense we couldn't run the ball because San Francisco knew we were going to run the ball and they stacked the box every time. But by stacking the box every time and we weren't running the ball, it meant that they got extra pressure on Gino, who, as Pez has said, isn't as mobile as majority of other quarterbacks in the league now, which meant that he couldn't get these nice plays off. We didn't run the ball near enough, which meant that they knew exactly what was coming every time which meant that our big wide receivers couldn't get open. Fair play, Lockett had, what, over 100 yards. Mm-hmm. But I think his longest was like 16 yards mm-hmm. reception. It, it, Gino wasn't the answer. I don't think we're going to see Drew Lock just yet because I think Pete is too proud to go back on the fact that he's turned around and said, Gino won the job. We've given Gino the nod. That that's Pete's not going to do it yet. We're going to have to wait till after the mid-season mark. As much as we all want to see, if if we all come to terms with the fact that we're going to tank, we are going to suck this year at times. We'll pull off a cheeky win, um, but the majority of times we're going to suck. It's going to be infuriating. But we're going to have to put up with the fact it's going to be infuriating with Gino until it really gets to fuck it point where Pete just goes, oh, Drew, you know what? You're probably not going to be with us after this year. Go and throw a ball about some. And then we might get some splashy plays. We might get some long like yardage downfield. We might throw a lot of interceptions. But as James said, at least we'll be an exciting team to watch. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's the route we're going to get. We're not going to get there to at least week eight. That's my prediction anyway. Oh, it's going to be a long six weeks then. Well, whilst we're on this, I feel like the offense is the reason... Like the offense is, the defense had its downfalls, but we can be a bit more nitpicky on the defense with either things. The offense is solely, like we've just been speaking, like 
for once, me and Josh, from, compared to last year, we... It's personal growth, mate. This year... Mm. Mm. <laughs> so, like Stop I mentioned before... Ricky Gervais off the not, office not on, there. On, Yeah, exactly. I'm not, on, I'm not on YouTube and just listen to it over the pod. This is the... Mm, Ricky Gervais, just a melding. It's a symbiotic <laughs> relationship now. Right. So, like I said, alluded to earlier, my big thing is everything yet again for another season. And it's been multiple seasons. Hence, like other pods have said, Russ isn't here anymore. But we're still seeing the same old stuff. Should we say it politely? Stuff. That is politely, yes. Good lad. I'm trying. I'm learning personal growth. If Josh can do it, I can do it. <laughs> but Pete Carroll can't do it. Like me. Because like for multiple like years it. now, Russ is gone. Russ is out of the picture. He's on the back door. Pete, as people uh, joked, that was our Super Bowl. But we... That was Pete's like, Super Bowl. Yeah. It was it was Pete Super Bowl, how chuffed he was. Like, I had a personal game plan. But like I said last week, I am really scared. That's the Colts game from last year. And we're starting to see the same stuff happen again. And I've seen through Twitter. I've heard on podcasts. I've heard everyone, everyone say, every man and their dog is the issue. He's the issue. That's the issue. This is the issue. The one that grabbed me the biggest was... Well, there's been two different offensive coordinators in X amount of years. Who sacked them? Who got rid of them? And let's face it, Russ ain't here no more, so you can't use it as an excuse. Gino has only just started. So technically, Waldron has a brand new quarterback, in a sense, to play mm. with. He has a brand new quarterback. Ineffective quarterback, though. If he, if he had a quality QB... Some of the stuff that he's drawing up may work. The Wildcats, they can get in the bin. Like, right. th- as we said off air, that is not a Peteism. That's definitely a Waldronism. Because Pete, yeah, but Pete came I out. I, I think he'd have a stroke if he but used Pete a Wildcat came, in his playbook. Pete came out and he beat, Pete said, I shouldn't have called that play. I shouldn't have let it. He's, he's, he's taking it for the team, isn't he? I, I That's don't, what a head coach does. I don't care. I don't care. I watched Pete Carroll on the sideline, right, with that mic by his lips talking. He might have been talking to upstairs. He might have not. But I am going to, on my very biased opinion of annoyance, say that he took over elements of this game. He took over and started controlling things because we started seeing the same old stuff, the same old boring stuff. In this game, the run, the run, that didn't work. So we're just going to dump it off. We're just going to do this. We're just going to do that. It, It's just the same old stuff. And then like I went back on to, the two different offensive coordinators in such and such a time, Pete Carroll's the one who got rid of them. It comes back to Pete. Then it's, oh, well, Gino's not doing this and Gino's not doing that. Well, that's Pete. Because like Josh said, clearly Pete's not opened the playbook to him. So, again, it comes back to Pete. Like, for me, like last year, everything comes back to him. But for whatever reason, we are going to come to the 10-year mark when Pete Carroll had a decent team on his hands. 
Now, 10 years in the NFL might be a very, very small sample size to American listeners. We're in, we're in the UK. But our sports, our sports, he, he would be a distant memory probably of a statue outside the stadium for what he did in that time. He is, and like we said last year, and we're going to re, rehash this, if any American listeners don't know about Arsenal Football Club with Arsene Wenger and see their timeline of regression, just it should be on YouTube. Go and find out and then see what a great manager for a football club who overstayed his welcome did to a club. Mm. Because we're seeing it all over again. Like, And I know I'm getting all over the top. I know I am, and people will just be like, oh, chill out, it's only one game, rah, rah, rah. Well, news flash in my eyes. What did the Falcons nearly do to the Rams this week? Everyone laughed. Everyone laughed at the Falcons. We laughed at the Falcons on our prediction show. We did. Oh, they're trash. They're going to be first overall. They're tanking. They're, they're rubbish. Trash. They might be. But do you know what they've got? They've got dog in them. They've got dog in them. Doesn't Not that matter. meme. Not that meme. They got their dog in them. Oh, for God's sake. I had to get it in. But they do. This is the thing they do. The Lions. They don't quit. They're aggressive. What you said, James. See, I'm, I'm bringing everyone involved here. I've Good got luck. Josh involved. Now I'm getting you involved. What you said. I can, I can take like a shite season to progress, but I can't take a boring one. Look at what the Falcons and the Lions are doing. They might not be the great teams and they might not win every single game, but they are what the Seahawks used to be. If they lost, they only lost by a score. The Lions are technically alike. If you look at it, they're like the new Seahawks. They just lose by a score or whatnot. Our team, we have no guts anymore. I don't know whether that's Pete too scared. The fourth and one, if we didn't do that, and essentially they would have got a touchdown, and then this is a bigger blowout. This whole, and then what you said, Josh, about Gino being into such and such. If we lose to the Falcons and the Lions back to back, and Pete, and people aren't pointing at Pete by that point, then the man's unstoppable and I'm never going to speak about him again in any ill light because he's not going to go anywhere in a million years because I can't understand it. I don't understand how everyone's blaming the houses and not a single person's blamed Pete because he did something 10 years ago. Oh, well, uh, well, well, Jim, we've, uh, we've opened up Pandora's box. That's pessimistic Pez back. Yeah, that's it, the section at the end of this podcast. It is. So, sorry, just one one more quick thing because I went on a bit of a fucking. Oh my god! That, that, I thought the last one was quick. <laughs> no, my brother, my brother, who's we're in the same camp as each other. He said something very interesting. Is he turned around and he said Pete's comments about opening the playbook to throw more is clearly saying. That the run that's Pete essentially admitting that, that his his run schemes aren't working. Mm. But I then thought on that and I thought, well, essentially that's him saying that his philosophy is old and dated. Because what have I banged the drum for last year? You when it might be me and you, James, but I said the reason why we don't succeed in the playoffs is because the playoff teams of this new generation are pass heavy, aggressive teams. Look at them all who make the playoffs year in, year out. And essentially, Pete is there saying 
that maybe my philosophy is dated. Now, I'm not now to sugarcoat it. If that's him saying, okay, my philosophy's dated, I am going to install a more pass friendly offense, what we can see, but I don't have a good quarterback, but we can see, you know, this is my new philosophy. Mm. I can get on board with that. I could 100% get on board with that. But if he doesn't, and he's basically admitting that his philosophy is dated and all, but then carries on with that philosophy, then my toes are out the door. The the, the, the thing you've got with that is, A, with Pete being a master of the mind game, is that a smokescreen to other teams to say we're going to throw it more and then every team starts scheming for that and we just run it down the throat? That's what I'm hoping. Um, Also, with the whole running the same thing and expecting a different result, He's got to change it because that's just that's the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again, exactly the same way, expecting the same result. That's insanity. That that is how it's defined. What was your and analogy he, last year, James? What was my anal- insanity? The gam- no, the gambler. What was what was Oh, you? that he's a gambling addict and he just keeps betting on himself. Good. Well well We're remembered, Pez. Well back. remembered. Even Josh is on board. I love this. I love it. This is, I mean, I think as I, as as a sports coach myself, I, I try and I, I try and tread that fine line there because I can see where he comes from, but I also see as a fan what we expect, and it, it's a difficult one because I'm trying to remain as impartial as possible, as annoyed as I am about Sunday, and some things from Pete I will I will say are outright bullshit. And other things I can see where he's trying to toe that party line. He's trying to keep everyone on board. He's trying to play some mind games. He's trying to make sure his team don't go too down the dumps. Because the mental health aspect of this is is immense. For a team that's been bigged up all preseason, people thinking we're underdogs, then they beat their old QB, and then they're up here on a pedestal to, be, to get knocked off in grand fashion by our bitterest rivals. That is going to take a heavy mental toll. I mean, you look at Jamal Adams, like... What's happened with him, regardless of the what's happening with his leg, mentally, he must be all over the place. And I sympathise with the guy. The same as every player, every professional sportsman, it's a massive thing. And Pete has got to really try and, and find that balance with it. Like so That's why sometimes he will lie. He'll lie to our faces. He'll probably lie to his squad just because you've got to sometimes just to try and keep the morale up. But I think so. It's, it's starting to the, the the glass is getting thinner and thinner where we, we can now see through it. Do you, do you know? Uh, anyway, do you know what, one, Josh? Next, next one, quick. Do you know what, Josh? <laughs> the fact that you said that sentence about the glass getting thin, Pete better start packing them bags. <laughs> <laughs> the internal optimist is slowly coming to the dark side. No, 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 no. I, I told you, realist. I'm a realist, and I, 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 I sit on both sides that, of this fence, mate, because I've, I see it from both sides. Just to let everyone know, sorry about my rant. If it didn't even make sense, I will listen to it back and I will laugh at myself when it doesn't make sense. But that's it for the rest of this part. I need to get it out there and then we can try and gleam some light. It's just well, me, me and you for this pod now, Jim. I think he's done. Well, I think I've had my one. So <laughs> I'll come back for positive best section. Yeah, me right. me you next. Just, you just stay quiet. <laughs> um, it's interesting that you brought up the running game and, and the potential red herring of pass heavy. Um, that, that segues into our next little segment um, pretty well, because we, I, do, I do think we need to talk about this running game a little bit more. Um, through the first two weeks in the NFL, a shout out to, to Bob Condotter on Twitter, the Yorkshire writer for these little stats here. Um, 
Seattle's 3.4 yards per carry is the third worst in the NFL um, so far through, through the through the season. Um, only 36 yards rushing against the 49ers um, with a full healthy running back room, including Kenneth Walker in there as well. So that was a full complement of running backs and only 36 yards. Yes, granted against a good Niners defense, but, you know, it, that's what it was. And then Seahawks, through the first two games, have the seventh highest pass to run ratio in the NFL at 65.63% passing as opposed to running. Um, and that, if it stays the same, would be the highest of the Pete Carroll era. Um, so, what is going on with this running game? Um, because I think we all expected the running game to be heavily the, the, the main focal point of our offense this year, the the, the run, run, pass, punt, um, with, with Geno Smith as quarterback, helping him out by by keeping the ball on the ground more than more often than, than in the air. But through two weeks of the NFL season, the Seahawks are doing anything but the opposite. They're, they're, they're throwing the ball far more than they normally do. And this running game is is really struggling to to start to to get the wheels in motion and and that's i think a lot of us didn't expect that through the first two weeks i think we all thought it would be not many completions in the air but the running game would be quite potent and and it and it's not working out like that at the minute so pez um what what what's going wrong with this running game at the minute is it play calling is it pete carroll potentially looking ahead to changing the philosophy with the seahawks or are we just not as good as we thought in, in the um, running back room? No, we are really good in the running back room. Um, blocking then, offensive line? Blocking. Is it, the offensive yeah. line didn't do as good as a job as it did in the run game in the first... They weren't that good in the first game of the run. Nope. Um, just just blocking in general this game, they, they weren't that good in the, the all-line. And I think the throwing element came because... It, the the forty ers knew, like they know it by now. They know the script, like podcast all like nearly every single podcast alluded to, like where we will allude to is the forty ers respected the run that much that they weren't even showing too high looks, you know. So they were just stuffing the run. What made them need to pass? Now I'm like I said, I'm gonna. Go more. I'm going to get more positive, so I'm not going to look at it in any of them numbers. I'll let Josh dive into that kind of stuff if he wants to, but I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say, I'm telling you right now, they get their run game sorted out. That Kenneth Walker is going to be an issue. He's going to be a serious issue. That Wildcat formation, the first one. Um, if you go back and rewatch it, something wasn't right about that play. The O-line, the protections weren't right. They didn't block for him because he ran off to the left. And it's like he had no one there. So he literally, like we've seen in his college tape, the thing what got us all excited on the pod, toe in the dirt, other direction, made about three guys miss and got five yards out of it. He should have been he should have been tackled for a loss. And he wiggled his way around that. And that one play just made me think, this kid's going to be great. When we get our run game sorted out, because granted, jab on Pete, this and the other, but we've had a we've we've had a good run game for many a year. Mm. So once we get that straightened out, whether we use the run off the pass, get get people like second guessing us and then hit them with the thing. Rashad Penny showed it on the first game; he still got juice. 
Kenneth Walker showed little bits, and at the end of the day, that's all we can take from this game. But he showed a little bit on a couple of his runs that, oh, he's got some wiggle that lad. And I think later in the season, no matter how this season thinks, he's going to be a shining light for this team, in my opinion. Mm. And don't Thoughts let DJ on... Dallas throw the ball again, please. Yeah, don't embarrass me again like never... that, DJ. Ever, ever do that one again? Let's. I think that that piece of paper has been scrumpled up and thrown in the nearest bin already. Like Josh said, um, he he came out and said didn't he that he was meant to pump fake it and then run because everyone was like, you had you literally your speed, you would have got to the end zone before anyone touched you and you would have been up ahead of speed. And he's like, oh, it slipped out of my hand. That's like telling a teacher you dog at your homework. Give it a rest, <laughs> mate. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. I've heard better excuses, we love, to be fair. We love DJ, but come on. Yeah, um, don't do that again, DJ. Uh, Josh, thoughts on this running game so far? Um, is it is it potentially time for a change, maybe on the offensive line? Because I think Jake Kohan is a really good run blocker. Would you like to see him maybe come in for, I don't know, like a Gabe Jackson or someone like that at this point? Anyone but Gabe Jackson at the moment. He's. I think Gabe's been massively underwhelming for the first mm. two games. I know he's a veteran presence, but... If this is really going to be a season for tanking, I'd rather try someone else there. Anyone else there? Um, I just think the the run game has been so it's been ineffective for two reasons. One, our O line cannot create the gaps consistently for our running backs to get through. And two, because they can't create the gaps and we're having no there's zero effectiveness, we're just ditching it. So people like Rashad aren't getting the touches. I mean, what did he have? He had six carries, six carries for fifteen yard for fifteen yards in total. Now last season, Pears said, "Look, he just needs time to warm up." I, I I was in an opposing camp for a bit, but I'm completely on board now. He needs time to warm up. He needs time to find his pace, find his feet, and look for the gaps. He's not going to get those six carries, like. The, then you've got Kenneth Walker with four. Travis Homer was our highest rated running back. He had two carries for nine yards. It goes mm. Travis Homer with a 4.5 yard per carry. Then Gino, um, well, if you're looking at yards per carry, Ken Walker and Rashad Penny at 2.5. And Gino Smith, who had two carries for two yards with a one yard per carry average. That is is shocking for a team whose philosophy is predicated on run first it's awful we drafted ken walker as an accessory to rashad penny so when rashad gets into those double digit carries in a quarter or whatever we can give him a rest by putting ken walker in there we haven't done that we've not even like dj dallas have a run i mean like from what i don't even know dj didn't even have a run the only touch of the ball he got was on that stupid wildcat play, which now that I said about mental health earlier, that's going to stick with him. Like he he can make all the excuses he wants. Everyone's going to make an excuse when you do something like that. But that was a stupid ass play. Like, and I, I can't remember what what Paul was listening to. When you look at the weapons we have as a red zone threat, there you look at DK Metcalf, six foot four. You look at Will Disley. Will Disley was about the same. You look at Noah Fant, who's about the same again, and then you've got Colby Parkinson at six foot eight. You know, 
why aren't you just lofting a ball into the end zone for someone to jump and get a contested catch rather than giving it DK DJ Dallas, who, as Alberto Lopez says, we love him on this pod. I think he's a great character. We'd, I'd love to have him as a guest and just pick his brains. But why would you put that responsibility on him? Like I, I heard that the only other time that he'd thrown a ball was in college on the same type of play, and that was intercepted as well. Fair play, he's obviously got the guts to say, you know what, I'll step in for this, because most of the running backs probably went, fuck that, that's not my job, that's not why I got drafted, it's not what I got paid for. But DJ stepped up and gone, you want it to be a play? I'll try and make it a play. But the running game just needs to be upped. I think we need to just be prepared for a couple of drives where we are run heavy and we may not make first down every time, yeah. but we keep battering it in, battering and battering. And then the sooner, sooner like the doors swing open, we'll break off some big plays and we'll, we'll draw more defenders into the box, which will allow Gino or Drew or Mannion, if needs be, to throw it over the top to someone. And that, that I haven't got much else to say because the, the running game really has depressed me over the last two days, two games. Just listening to you then quickly, um, you, you, you kind of, again, hit the nail on the head for me in the sense of um, when when we, I, I honestly, like, I do also think one of our also favourite subjects on this pod about the quarterback is, do you not think that the coaches, or let's face it, is Pete, because this team isn't uh, Waldron. You you do the offensive scheme. Come come with your plan to me, and then we'll mm. talk through it. It's like I want to emphasise this. Go and make it happen. Like I believe that successful teams are. I trust you as my OC. You go and make up a plan. Come to me. We will sit down together. Whereas I I just can see Pete being like, I want to emphasise this, this, and this against this team because I think so with that being said as an ex-head coach there's got to be a degree of autocracy I understand what you're saying and that's how it should work but as the head coach at the top of the tree you have a place down on the game plan in mind your task then is to get the staff underneath you that can accentuate that and work with it so he would have employed Waldron with the help of Russ okay to help initiate that game plan and say, look, this is what we're looking for. Waldron can come along and be like, oh, yeah, of course, though, I can do that. Look at all these plays I've got in my playbook that really help you with it. So regardless of who's doing what, Pete sits at the top of the tree. So anyone underneath him should be doing something there or thereabouts. Same goes with Clint Hurt. Pete says, this is the type of defence I want to play. If Clint's turned around and gone, well, why don't we switch from a 4-3 to a 3-4 and really use the players we've got and help us with the way the league's going, with it being more pass-heavy, Pete goes, absolutely fine, but these principles remain. Nice one, boss. But then, wouldn't that just be Pete telling them what his philosophy is and then they should be able to, game by game, come up with a plan using his philosophy and then going to him and saying, what do you think about this? And he goes, well, no, I, I, I like this, this and this. Because no, as a head coach, you should go, I've employed you to do a job, you know what the philosophy is, that's it go and run my philosophy, because at the moment, based on this game, I don't think Waldron's doing what Pete's philosophy says. Yeah, so this is what I was trying to allude to. We kind of got off topic with this, but it's interesting to know, like, to learn. But it's just, I say that because 
with everything you said there, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like to me like the more successful teams in the league actually do it that way. They have faith mm. in the people who are in them positions to go and create the plan and they're happy to they're happy like you said, because they know that a coordinator knows their philosophy, so they can trust them. It's like Pete doesn't use that. But that's by the by what what I was alluding to was listening to your talk. Do you not just... It was just chaos, wasn't it? There was there was no game plan. And I can only... From listening to Josh, I can only put it down to because they don't trust the QBs they have. So look at this, right? Look at this. Um, I was listening to the man-to-man and they were talking about something that gave me a little thought. Look at it from this angle. So they they chose the Broncos. It came out and said they they chose the Broncos because they rejected the Saints and the thingy for Russ because they wanted Noah Fant and they wanted Drew Locke. Noah Fant is one of the most unutilized players on the offense, and Drew Locke is currently sitting on the bench. So what did we actually get for a future Hall of Fame quarterback? Because everything they wanted, they're not even using. It just seems like unorganised chaos at the moment. Like They all don't know what they're doing anymore. I, I do think there's a degree of everyone not... Let's sell the defence because that's they know what they want, but especially on offence. And we said this last week and before, not knowing how to use the weapons they've got. Mm, Possibly like one of the best wide receiver tandems in the, in the, the NFL right now. Don't know how to scheme them up to get them free. You either go... Game heavy on Lockett or game heavy on Met. D. Eskridge just at the moment he's he's got to be classed as a bust until he shows us something else. Mm. But when you've got Metcalf and Lockett, and it goes one game to the other, they're never both both involved in the game equally. Then you've got three tight ends who have all got different skill sets, but can all catch and run, which was shown in week one. Where were they this game? You've got. Four running backs who two of them showed in the preseason. They can do it. And then you've got Rashad Penny and you've got Kenneth Walker, who should be able to do it as well, because that's where we drafted him. And we've got a new O-line, which has got a bit of youth. There'll be some some bumps along the rogues, a bit of a learning curve. But why aren't we using everything there? So we talked about the run game. The run game is non-existent because they haven't got a game plan for everything else. There's like DK Metcalf running off and... He's, he's not even in double coverage half the time. Gino's saying he's in double coverage, but he's not. He, he's single-man coverage, but Stuck he's just not looking at him. Mm. Because, but again, Josh, you just keep on, you just keep on giving me little light bulbs. It's, for me, it's a conflict of interests in the coaching staff. I, I don't know whether that's Pete is, like he's alluded to in his comments, like you say, he's a master of Deception is alluding in his comments that he's trying to change, but his arrogant, egotistical self can't allow himself to change too much. And it's like there's, they're not connecting. Like that's all I can see with everything you said. The two things that stand out to me is Waldron and Pete aren't understanding each other. And I think that's got to do with the quality of quarterback they've got. Mm. It it's 
there's a lot of things that need to be to be put right going forward on offense um and and hopefully hopefully we're going to start to see strides do do you know what we need do you know what pete needs to do pete needs to go that sick game plan i did for week one finish it there finish it there because that's what you want to say pete needs to go we know that's what you're after, yep. mate. No, yeah, no, I'm trying, I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be more <laughs> progressive, not get stuck okay. in a rut of ranting for Pete. So Pete needs, in my opinion, Pete needs to look at Week One's tape and just go. Do you know what? Maybe, maybe I should just do that because my defense was running around aggressive. My offense was all working for each other, hyped up, pumped up like crazy. Maybe I just need to just get that game plan and go. I'm going to ride on this to the death. And then maybe just tweak it a little bit because what he did in the first week compared to the second week, I know which one I'd prefer to see. I'd rather, like James said originally at the start, I'd rather see this team going out hard and aggressive like the Falcons and like the Lions. Conveniently, we're playing them both next. I want to see, I want to see us fight and dog like them. Mm. And whatever works, just roll with it. If the run game ain't working, Gino, just start slinging it, mate. If your picks are bigger than your t- touchdowns, well, you're not letting anyone down because that's what everyone thinks you're going to do anyway. Mm-hmm. So start playing free and let's start seeing what you can possibly do. Yeah, I think uh, we, you're speaking for everyone there, Pez. Let's open up this playbook a bit and let's 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 start going for it a bit more. I think is what we what we want to see a bit of life on this offense. Um, before we get to the defence, a quick word from Mr. Brett Davin, our friend over at the Take 12 podcast. Um, they're, they're, if you listen to us last week, you'll know that they're, they're running a very interesting, a very exciting package to Munich for the Seahawks and Buccaneers game in Germany this year. And um, he's just going to let you know on, on the details of that. And, and after he does, we'll be back to talk about the defence. Hey, Seahawks fans, it's Brett Davin from the Take 12 podcast. Here to let you guys know about our trip to Germany. Our podcast, the Take 12 podcast, is going to Germany for the Munich game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We have tickets to the game that we are selling as part of our travel packages, which also include three nights in a hotel in Munich and also a fantasy-style flag football game where you get to play football with six Seahawks legends who will also be on the ground in Munich. It's going to be Lofa Tatupu, KJ Wright, Leroy Hill, David Hawthorne, Sean Locklear, and Matt McCoy. And also a few other Seahawks legends are checking their schedules, so we'll update that if it changes. But we're doing dinners out. We're doing parties. We're giving you guys gift uh, packages and baskets. We're having custom flag football jerseys for that game. And like I said, we have the actual tickets to the actual game on Sunday, which rounds out our trip. We also have travel packages that don't even include the hotel. So if you already live in Europe, if you're already planning on being in Munich, but you're looking for things to do, if you want to play in a flag football game with Seahawks legends, just come do that. If you already have hotel accommodations, we have the package without the hotel also. All of the information is at 12sinmunich.com. That's one 2S in Munich. So check it out. And I hope to see all of you in Munich. And of course, if you do want to get involved in that, then please do head over to 12sinmunich.com and use code WETALK12 at the checkout for 12% off your order. Um, And who knows, you may even see us in Germany as well. Um, So please do go ahead 
and make that your next purchase if you can. Um, change seamless. It is seamless. You, 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 they won't even know I've edited anything in there. It's, just, <laughs> it's so professional. You edited things in, even I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, well, we're getting better then. We're getting better. Right. Something that isn't getting better, the run defence and this defensive line. Um, three sacks through two weeks. None of them, none of them have been by a defensive lineman or, or in this three anyway of the of the typical defensive tackles. The three sacks so far have come from Uchenna Nawosu, Cody Barton and Boye Mafe. Boye. Um, Don't do that again. Sorry. Um, <laughs> it's, very, it's very hard not to when you say Boye. It's just hard. But I'll, I will try, Pez. Um, yeah, this this I mean, 189 yards. I think it was rushing offense that the Niners had. It was just over 100 yards against the Broncos. Now, again, granted, it's two good rushing attacks. But let's be honest, the 49ers didn't have Elijah Mitchell. Um, I, this this defensive line is it, the run defense is normally such a stout thing and a feather in our cap over the last couple of years with on our defense we've always been able to control the, the run games and we've always been around the top of the nfl in terms of yards per game and all that kind of stuff that we that we allow on on the ground and to start this season i think other than al woods I, i've been i've been pretty disappointed with these defensive tackles we've seen nothing from puna ford nothing from quinton jefferson nothing from brian Monet. I think Al Woods is and, and Miles Adams has been inactive for the first two weeks, I think, as well. So hopefully we'll see a bit of Havoc Adams in week three. Healthy scratch. Yeah. Um, and, and it, Absolute and, joke. Absolute joke, that. Preseason, only one who generated any sort of pass rush. Yeah. They're going to need him by the looks of it. We need him back because... Puna, Puna's done nothing. What did I say in the hot takes? Puna's... He did. He's done nothing so far. Do you know what? Maybe get a rod up his ass and... Bench his ass. Let's see how he responds to that. You've just I've, been paid, mate. Don't sit on your laurels because you've just got a decent amount of money because Miles Adams is going to take your space. Go and sit on the bench. Have a think about what you're doing and come back to why you got paid the amount you got paid. Do you, mate? I didn't know. Really is winding me up. And that's a point can from... Can you tell? That's the point from his talent standpoint, what we've actually seen on the pitch. Well, that's what I was going to say, because I think in our hot takes episode last year, it was either Pro Bowl or All Pro that I predicted for Puna Ford. And that's looking like um, a, a very distant hope at this point. Um, I just, I thought, it, it, like you said, it's a talented defensive line there. That There's that there's talented players there. I just, it, again, is it is it getting used to Clint Hurt's scheme? But I don't particularly buy into that because Clint Hurt is the defensive line coach. And if anything... That these defensive line players should have been more prepared for for this Clint Hurt change and 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 more prepared to an understanding of how he wants them to play than than anyone else. So I don't really buy into that. Um, and other than the, I mean, again, is it is it this shift to the three four? Is that is that playing early teething signs potentially? Or it, it it's it's really hard to put your finger on what's going wrong at the minute, Josh. But is there anything that that you've seen or identified that you've that you've noticed? Um, what, apart from the absolute lack of being able to tackle um, yes. the... Sorry, sorry, Pez, I've got to shout your man out. People were shooting through gaps, but shooting through with such ferocity and speed that they completely miss their tackle assignment. Um, 
the, the disjointedness. Like, I, I, one of my my best friends, one of my groomsmen, I, I've I've indoctrinated into Seahawks, um, and he he doesn't know a lot about American football, but when he messaged me during the game, saying, first of all, not a very good start. It was just like the other team just seemed better, more polished. And I spoke to him afterwards and he was like, yeah, we just seemed really disjointed. Like we didn't know what we were doing. And that's it. It just seems like our our D line, I'll include the outside linebackers here, don't seem to know what's happening or where they're going. Daryl Taylor has been a yeah. zero factor. He's He's done absolutely nothing, which pains me to say, because I love a bit of DT. Mm-hmm. I thought last season he showed some real flashes, but this season I don't know what he's doing. He's He seems to be trying to use more speed and get outside of people, which is then inadvertently taking him out of a game, or he's just missing tackles. It, it's, it's baffling. Um, but I think the Alwood's the only one from that front three that stepped up. Um, Quinton Jefferson did get five pressures on Sunday. So fair play to Q, Jeff. A lot mm. of time for that man. But then Puna Ford. Like Shelby Harris went off, you know, injured. Yeah. Uh, with, I want to say it's a bruised thigh or something. That might be someone else. But um, Puna Ford's been a, a, a non-factor. Like Shelby, to a degree, I don't think he... Sean last week didn't really see him this week. Um, I don't even know if he started this week. That's how much of a non-factor he was. And then you just look at it on the top. You're thinking, where's the pressure coming from? Where? Why is the pocket not being collapsed? Why? When Trey Lance went off injured, and I just want to say, even though he's a 49er, good luck to the man on his recovery. Mm-hmm. When he went, when he got injured, why? When Jimmy G came on, didn't. They do exactly what Pez said, which was put him under so much pressure that he's forced to make a horrible throw and make the mistakes that he's prone to do. Didn't see it at all. We made Jimmy Garoppolo look like a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And that's because there was no pressure. The only person bringing pressure was Unwosu. Mm-hmm. And Marfe looks like a bit more of a live wire when he comes on. Yeah, but apart from that, I'm I'm seeing nothing. It's so frustrating, and I I, I think I, I will bang on this point every single pod. Defensively, if we don't sort our tackling out, whether that's at the start of the front of the line, linebackers to Cody Barton and um, Jordan Brooks, this game were the team's highest tacklers, and I said. If that is the case, every week there's something gone dramatically wrong with our D-line because it means that people are getting through us or round us. And what happened this week? 11 tackles apiece, I think. Yeah, but... Because... Sorry, carry on, Josh. Because we we can't stop people up front. And and that that comes down to running backs being able to run past or through a, a defensive end or run past or through one of three... D lineman, it, it, it's absolutely baffling, and I, I am going to go on a personal crusade now, and I will promise all of our listeners and all of our viewers on YouTube, I will tweet and, if needs be, message Pete Carroll on LinkedIn through my professional profile, offering my help to teach these professional footballers how to tackle a man. It is not difficult; it's a bread and butter of any contact sport defense. How to tackle. Don't just throw an arm out there and think you're going to clothesline them like the bloody like your Bradshaw from WWE, you know, because that's not going to happen. When you've got 100 and 
120, 130 pound man running full pelt at you, and all you do is stick an arm out, he's going to use like a turnstile. That's it. It's 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 baffling. It's, it's the most it's the thing I get the angriest about when watching the Seahawks at the moment. And I need to calm down because otherwise I am going to right. blow because it's angering me now. Pez, please go and take this anger off me. Right. Okay. So again, from listening to Josh and what he's saying, it it's it's just like the offense. It's just you you, you hit the nail on the head. It's just simple fact. They didn't know what they were doing. My fucking oracle, mate. They just didn't know what they were doing. They just, they just, they were all over the gaff. And do you know what it was? It all, I looked at it and thought they were set up for a lot of uh, run heavy stuff. Mm. That's why they just seemed to be scattered all over the gaff. But then when Jimmy G came in, they didn't then respect the passing game. They just stayed in the same, it seemed to be that they stayed in the same set. And then when they tried to respect the pass, Debo just absolutely annihilated them with what Debo does. And they just, they don't get me wrong, it's hard. I think it probably is hard to adjust for a completely different style of quarterback coming in and leveling it out. I thought the defense, the defense, well, well, Diggs, Diggs said that they that accounted for it, so they'd actually game planned for Garoppolo coming into the game. <laughs> okay, and I, I, I appreciate the brutal honesty. You got a lot of backlash on uh, Twitter, but in my personal opinion, that's just fans just cl- clutching and hoping. Uh, this team still being relevant and being a success. Like, whether that's... They've only just started following the team in the more successful t- periods, but you could see all the old old guys, they were all like, this reminded me of 92. This this reminded me of the good old days and all this stuff. Like, everyone can see it enough. Like, Diggs is being brutally honest and people are like, oh, you don't... That's your captain right there. What's that kind of a message? Well, if people get a little bit bum hurt and oh, oh you don't talk like that, oh, I'm shit, am I? Well, maybe you just get get lost, mate, because he he or pull he, your finger out and do the job. He hmm. he spent the majority of his career on the fucking Detroit Lions. People need to understand. Do you know what people? Do you know what this fan base actually needs to do? No, it's just light bulb in my head. People need to take it as a warning. That's coming from a guy who endured. Endured, 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 endured. It depends if you're saying it with a Prestonian accent. It's endured, endured. But everyone else, just um, if you endured, yeah. He's endured the Detroit Lions through majority of his career. So maybe people need to sit sit up a little bit when Quandre Diggs comes to the platform and says, "Maybe we're just not that good." He's been there before, and maybe you can see it happening again. Fans might need to wake up on that point. Off that point. I'm going to take some, try and gleam some positives because Josh has hit the nail on the head. I don't need to rehash anything he said. Even though, if we're going to try and pluck some positives, uh, Daryl Taylor had that decent um, sack tackling, tackle for loss in the backfield towards the mm-hmm. back end of the game. Mm-hmm. So that shows that he's still got it. He's still, he's still there. He just, for me personally, I just think he needs to chill out. I just think it, it, my comparison for him to one of my mates was he's like, if any of our listeners follow soccer or football, he's like Darwin Nunes. He's just signed for Liverpool. Train far too hard. Mm. Try hard. 
Yes, he needs to chill out. He's been jacked up all pre-season, like he's the lead dog on that line. Mate, chill the F out and just do what you do best, right? Jordan Brooks, as Josh alluded to, made that bullet through the gap and missed, but then straight after, stonewalled the guy on the line. So don't talk about my boy like again, please. Pass coverage, though. I mean, not great on that touchdown that we gave up, him and Cody Barton, granted, where they kind of just let... I can't... Forgive me, I can't remember who the Niners player was, but... Listen. Them... I'm just no saying... Ill just, just playing devil's advocate. boy. I'm just sitting on the fence. <laughs> all I'm no, doing. but we know pass coverage. Like, yes. we. But the thing is, though, if anything, bravo 49ers, because what are Cody and Jordan not that great at? Pass coverage. The team's all over the place. The team's a scattered mess. And that's their weakness. And they I can't remember the play, but I could pretty much imagine they were probably left out on their own in the middle of the field and exposed, in, in my opinion. Hmm. But off that, because I'm trying to keep it positive here. Sorry. James just loves it. I try and be positive, and James loves to just get back down. Get that is, that is what I do best. So... My, my one player, I think James wanted to do it a bit more periodically, but I think Josh has just hit the nail on the head for the whole entire defence. My my standout player, Bowie Maffey, I'm very impressed with the short thing we got. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't, if he's another Alton Robinson, I'll be with Josh on that plane in his baggage because I can't afford a ticket because I'm a Trump. I'm only joking. I probably can't. Well, I can. <laughs> um, but I'll be coming to Pete's house as well and go, I swear to God, if you treat him like you did Alton Robinson, I will set your house on fire. Lovely. He showed in the in the limited snaps he got what a force he can be on that line. Mm-hmm. That's So he's a short. But James, your boy, that woolen. Oh, my Lord. Pretty good, isn't he? Oh, my God. Honestly, that kid is only going to get better. Every game he plays, he's like, a, he's like a dog with a bone, that lad. He doesn't know when to give up. And do you know what? He gets some flags and everyone's like, oh, he needs to tidy them flags up. A flag last week against Colton Sutton, very, very tactical move, like we said on the pod. He took it like a yellow, like a football, our football player would take when, a, when in the midfield, the attacking player gets away from him, clip the ankles, team-friendly yellow card. Yep. Wollen's done it twice now. He's been, don't get me wrong, negative. He's been beat twice, but he knows how to take them friendly. Uh, because we, I rate our red zone defense has got to be one of the best in the league. Mm. It's annoying because they shouldn't have to get to the red zone to do it, but they are. So him taking them yellows, I'd rather him not go for a touchdown than try and get stonewall him and get three. So and look, and look as well, block field goal. He, he's the one who blocked the field goal, he and then is. And then he, but but then who was running with Michael Jackson? Tariq Woolen. So he and blocked the field goal. Looked like he'd injured himself blocking the field goal. Yeah. Somehow he's the one behind him. And the guy's Pez, a freak. Pez, and it gets better because and when Debo Samuel cracked off that big run up the middle at Daryl yeah, when he ran across the field, yeah, the the gas, the absolute wheels on that man to get from his spot on the opposite side of the field. And he must have covered horizontally. That's that's a good 30, 40 yards, if not 50. And he, it, it, it was, uh, I was going to bring that up. Thank you. What, okay. that, that was something that got me off my feet. And the, 
the angle of pursuit as well that he took, and he tackled. Correct. I want to bang on about it. Tackled correctly. His head was on the right side. He wrapped him up and he pulled him down. That was chef's kiss. And look, look. He's allowed three receptions for 37 yards on seven targets through two weeks on 59 coverage snaps per PFF. That is fantastic. And that's not just against any old Robbie Andersons. That's against Debo Samuel, Cotton Sutton, Jerry Judy. That is against legit elite receivers in the NFL that he's going up against. This kid, he's raw, but I'm going to bring him in now. He looks, we all thought, I think a lot of us thought that Kobe Bryant would look the more polished player and ready to plug in and play at the start of the season than Tariq Woolen. A lot of us didn't even expect Tariq Woolen to play this season. And and through through the first two weeks, I've got to say, I think Kobe Bryant looks a little bit more raw than Tariq Woolen because mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know what it is about Kobe. I think, I mean, you don't win the Jim Thorpe Award for being the best cornerback in college without being a, a bad cornerback. He's a talented player. Um I don't know whether it's this new role in the nickel that he's trying to adjust to that, that's maybe a few teething problems. Maybe he was more expecting to be used on the outside. Um, still saw some nice things. I think he got that nice hit on that tackle that stopped the, he, the first down, I think. I, just jumping, I was going to bring him up because he might be raw, but I, I honestly think it's him going from being an exclusive outside mm. in college to then doing a slot, and they even said it on the broadcast, because in the slot, you've not only just got to do coverage, you've got to be prepared to come to the line and hit, you've got to be prepared to do yeah. multiple jobs, and I think that that penalty, that flag he got, was a bollocks flag. Someone actually put on Twitter, they um, someone saw the metrics, and it's, what is it, five yards, you're not allowed to hold five yards after the play? Yeah. Yeah. And they said, not only did, not only did Ayuk run, f- literally at him, like I don't know what these refs understand about physics, but he can't run through him. So there's going to be contact. Ayuk contacted him. From my memory, Ayuk contacted him first, but the guy said that Kobe Bryant let go of his shirt six yards after, and the rules always been stated it is five, but they normally allow one or two extra yards. Mm. I just think the refs are being a lot more stricter this year, but that was a bollocks flag. That was, He shouldn't have been flagged for that. And I'm going to write that off because that's the highlight. That's what is highlighted him for people in a negative way. Mm. Whereas you look at what good he did. Josh, Josh is talking about tackling. Go and just watch the game. He is a solid... When he came to the line... The amount of times I was like, who's that body at the bottom there on number eight? Who's that body at the bottom? Number eight, number eight, number eight. The the lad, the lad tackles aggressive, plays aggressive, and he ain't scared to go and get dirty. Now that's what yeah, that's what I've been most impressed with with both of them. I mean, Tariq Wollen took that big hit coming to the line of scrimmage against the Broncos. They both look prepared to come to the line of scrimmage and, and lay the boom I, out I, a bit. I think as stupid as it sounds, because Woolen's so big in stature, yeah. I think Kobe might be a bit more s- smaller and solid mm. in stature. So t- doing them hits and them tackling, because some of them tackles, I was noticing, I was like, oh my, who who, who was that on the tackle? Because obviously the game's done and buried, you're just trying to find anything. Mm. I was like, oh, Kobe, oh, Kobe, oh, there he is again. I thought, surely Josh is seeing this and getting 
like orgasmic over it <laughs> because it, to me anyway you you've got the training Josh but to me from eye test he looks like a very very sound tackler yeah no he I, really does the, the lads that have come out of college this year especially the the cornerbacks seem to be a lot more astute to tackle technique I don't know if that's because it's been taught that way Kobe I think I think his his position is is going to have to be slot He's nickel because I think they've assessed his skill set and he's just not going to be quick enough to keep pace with some of these elite wide receivers. Like he will get burnt by um, a Judy, a Jefferson, a, God forbid he comes up against Hill. Like Hill would absolutely destroy him. But I think when you put him in that nickel package as a sort of slot corner, he yeah. doesn't have to have that, that out and out speed, which I think is why they've. They've drafted him, looked at his skill set a bit further and gone, there, that's where you're going to be. It, it, this is going to be a season of adjustment. And this, I said this before, it's going to be a season of adjustment. It's going to be rookies finding their feet. Tariq Woolen, as an outside corner, he's played there before. He knows what to do. He's got some some flaws in his game, which just comes from being a rookie, which will be ironed out. Mm. But he's got the right help to do that. I think... Kobe's been disappointing just purely because he's been so out of sorts with where he's been placed. But I, I reckon as the season goes on, that's just going to start getting ironed out. It'll look a lot more polished and it'll look a lot more valuable to the team. But at the moment, it's purely his tackling that. That I've been impressed with that. He's he's been able to put himself in some difficult situations, always come out on top with the tackles, which is is what we need. I think um, also. Um... I, I, I do put it down to that. I'm quite confident seeing glimpses because people see big picture a lot of the time with these rookies and like a lot of the fans are very reactionary. But this game, it's like I wasn't even like, yeah, we've ranted and raved. and But when I was watching it, I just... It's like we said about the fourth quarter with the Denver game when we nearly lost. It's like that was really exciting. But mm. if we lose it, we're not expecting much. This game was proper shite but we're not expecting much. It's annoying and frustrating and we've got it all out, but meh. But I watch the little things and Kobe does some of them little things at a better than average level. I mm. honestly believe, like Josh uh, James said, alluded to what I was going to allude to myself, I just think it's because he's been moved into the slot and as far as I'm aware, he's always been outside resource at Cincinnati. Yeah. The slot just the slot just has so much more intricacies to it that by the end of the season, I think everyone's just going to be looking at Woolen and uh, Brian and just being like, "That's the future there." They'll be they'll both be solid. They'll both find out the individual things. And what a great season to do it! You go, you're going to be going up against some of the biggest powerhouses in offenses in the league. So if you can make yourself like if you can rep yourself, yourself, represent yourself in a really good light against them teams, you might get burnt, you might not get pretty, you might get flagged. But if you can show progression against them top end guys, serious unit. Michael Jackson worries me a little bit. He looked. Don't get me wrong. He's just he's a ball hawk, isn't he? Like mm. that ball goes on the floor. The man's like a man. He's like, mm, give it me, give it me. Love that about his game. In coverage this week, though, he he, he kind of looked a bit all over the gaff. 
Was it a one-off? Was it a fluke? The whole defence seemed to be all over the gaff, but the flags, the little things... Uh, Do you know what? I, I, that opens the door for me for Trey Brown. Yeah. That, that's mm-hmm. an really interesting does. one. That is an interesting one. If, when Trey Brown does come back, well, where does he come into it and how quickly does he get a chance? But just before we move on and, and, and finish with, with positive pairs and try and, uh, try and find any positives going into the next week... Um, I know we are still getting flags and penalties. I think it was another 10 flags on in, in the Niners game. I can't remember how many there was in, in week one. Um, but A, you've just said, Pez, what a season to do it. it there's there's no... It, and, and predominantly, the, ru- the the flags at the minute are coming from the rookies. It's not really the veterans that are getting these flags. It's predominantly the rookies that are drawing these flags. Um, and to be honest, this year, when there's no expectations, there's no first round rookie quarterback that's going to probably be here next year that we're going to plug into the system and be ready to go and compete again um hopefully um it it, it is as you've said josh a year of transition it's a year of getting your feet wet and, and and getting these players adopted into the into the scheme so they're going to get penalties they're going to get flags but what i've been impressed by is from from the end of preseason and then in week one against denver into this 49ers game even though the flags are still there they are the players that who would who would join them are cleaning up on their own flags. Charles Cross, I mean, in preseason, I can't I, I can't even remember which preseason game. Chicago, Chicago, about the five false start penalties or something that he got hasn't had a false start penalty since, as far as I'm aware. Um, Tariq Woolen obviously had a little bit grabby in week one. Didn't see that in week two for me. Um, that th- there's there's flags here that are happening, but P- Abe Lucas, I mean, in week one was was flagged quite a few times week two yeah he gets that illegal man downfield again against the Niners but actually again like you said Pez don't particularly agree with the call I just think it it was it was a soft call and he was just beating his man um other than that and even the holding call last week for me wasn't a holding call he's putting stuff right he's not getting flagged as much so you're seeing guys getting flagged but I'm also seeing guys taking steps to correct it and improve it and 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 that's that, that's excellent. That, that's exactly what we want them to do. Um, and, and a lot of our rookies this year that we have taken are raw. They are raw prospects. A lot of them are raw prospects. They're going to get flags, but I, I'm seeing them taking positive steps in, in terms of correcting them week to week. And if that continues, then we can't complain. And if and if it means they're ready for next year when we've got a, a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud or whoever in, 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 in the Seahawks blue and green, if they're ready to go and I've got them predominantly out their system this year we have to be a bit flaggy and a bit st- all that kind of stuff this year then then what a year to do it um so so don't read too much into the flags at this point is all i'm gonna say um before we do end with positive pez josh do you want to shout out our our blessed cbd sponsorship that that a, a few people have already been been good enough to to go ahead and and, and utilize so far so do you want to just shout them out quickly they have really helped out the pod. Um, obviously, Blessed CBD have been sponsoring us for a couple of weeks now. Uh, if you suffer from things like extreme rage, like some of us will have done after Sunday, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but seriously, if you suffer from from anything from muscle joint, uh, muscle pains, um, just general aches, if you have any mental fatigue, if you suffer from brain fog, a whole host of ailments can be helped by CBD. Blessed CBD carries full and broad spectrum and also cbd isolates um go online they have a fantastic faq section which will tell you 
everything you need to know about them, as well as a fantastic array of products that you can use and it will help benefit you and suit your lifestyle. Simply all you need to do, if you go on blessedcbd.co.uk, that's B-L-E-S-S-E-D-C-B-D.co.uk, select what you want. When you get to checkout, enter the code Seahawk, that's S-E-A-H-A-W-K, all caps, at checkout, you'll get 10% off your order. And once you do buy that, anything that helps the pod would be greatly appreciated as well. We can hopefully get pause, a pause, Pez. Pause. Yeah, it's getting tired now. Uh, a new microphone and headphone headset. Yes, the, the microphone <laughs> fund for, for Pez. So please do it's go. It's growing. On. It's growing. It is growing. Please do go and support it if you can. And, and as you've just, as you've said, Josh, it does massively help out the pod. So, so thank you for for all those people who've already done so. Um, right, positive Pez. What do you have in store for us this week? Um, it, again, I, do you know what I, the floor's yours? I'm not going to try and and because this is what you keep having to go at me for that I keep nitpicking and and draining up. So I'm not going to do it. You you just you, be positive, you, mate. You, I don't think you can really nitpick at this one because okay. so my positives is for all my pessimism and all my thoughts, I'd say about 80% of the time I'm wrong. So listeners, don't get too downheartened by my rant oh. earlier because we're going to go into the Falcons. We're going to be aggressive. Looking at the stats, their first two games, the running backs haven't been that great. But I'm going to tell you now as a positive statement that you're going to see Rashad Penny and Ken Walker as a running back duo absolutely destroy the Falcons. Boom. Yeah, yeah, first. I, I love it. My, my <laughs> lips are zips. I'm, I'm not saying anything. I, I love it, Pez. I, I, it, hey, it needs to kick into gear at some point. Why not next week? I, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all here for it. Um, yes, big lad. The only thing I'll say is this run defense is not going to get any easy. It's not going to get this task any easier for them. When you think of, you know, the the running backs that they've gone up against already, then it's probably going to be Cordell Patterson. Then it's going to be DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. Then it's probably going to be Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. Then it's James Conner with the Cardinals. Then Austin Eckler with the Chargers. Then Saquon Barkley. The, I mean, it, it's are you the yin to his yang? He's trying to be really positive. Yeah. Then. He just brought. He it destroys all it every single time. Down destroys it every, every time, single he? time. Well, do you know what? I tried, but I've accepted. Do you know that what? No. Do you know what, James? You just edit that last little negative bit out, and we're going to end on positive Pez, and then we're going. Bit, what if I don't? Bitching Barker. That's what he's yeah. going to be called now. You're positive bitching Pez. Barker. Bitching Barker. Oh, right. So well, on your own little segment. After all that, you're the host. I was what ready to leave this pod with a smile on my face, feeling elevated, lifted up. You know, just like the Lighthouse family, we could be lifted by Pez, but no. James that, dragging us down. That is that's my it. segment. Mic drop. Pez. I'm out. That, that's You're it. a I'm... scumbag. That is my segment. You have positive Pez. I have bitch boy James or whatever you just call bitch boy Barker. <laughs> Bitching Barker. Bitching Barker. Bitching Barker. <laughs> yes, that is my segment, Pez. Um, Falcons then. Quick prediction. What is going to happen next week? Are we going to beat them? Are we going to get back on the winning trail? Which is better than I thought I'd be. I didn't think I'd be saying getting back on the winning it, trail at the start of the season at this point. So it isn't going to be pretty because look at this Saints. I know the Saints aren't like their offense isn't that great. They lost 26 27 to the Saints. The Rams, yes. they 
did a massive comeback and lost 27-31. Now, I'm going to bring in something what Josh said last pod or a couple of pods ago, that we're really going to find out in this game after the beating we got on Sunday, we're going to find out what's left of Pete's culture with these players. That That's going to be... that For the listeners, that's something. Bit of homework. Just see how these players respond because the old players, when we got a shellacking like that, they come out and you better know they dominate that next game. That's something to look out for. But with that being said, because I'm in positive PES mode, our running backs, our running backs are going to tee up Gino just to have a bit more success passing and we're going to do him. We're going to do him. By three we're points. Do, for, for, for our American uh, listeners, yes, that doesn't mean what you think it means. It means we're going to win. <laughs> yeah, it's I good, believe good that clarification. We will win. I believe that we will win. <laughs> I'll understand that one, Pez, yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Josh? Uh, I think it's going to be a close game because we're both two teams on the, the downward turn. Um, I think it will be a run-heavy game. Uh, opening it up for Gino, I'm going to say uh, we're going to do at least 160 yards on the ground between all running Bs, or, or running Bs, all our Bs. Um, I think, Kenneth I think we might see... I think we might see a bit more Jason Myers this game just to make sure we click the, to keep the uh, the clock ticking over. Uh, score wise, I'm going to say twenty eight to twenty five. Yes, twenty five. Okay. Um, Pez, did you Falcons. get a score prediction in the end, other than we're going to do them? I said by three. So me and Josh again. <laughs> I, I urge anyone listening to this to please go on our YouTube just so you can see what we're doing because it won't seem as weird next time we do this because this is going to be a constant thing for this year I have a feeling yeah um, I, do you know what I think we will beat them I, I, I think it'll be I, do you know what? I'm going to say it's going to be more comfortable than 28-25 Um and I do think we will get this running game established in week three. I, I'm not impressed with this Falcons defensive line as much as I'm not impressed with ours. Grady Jarrett's a player, but other than that, I, I must admit, I, I don't Is really he know. I, I like him. I like Grady Jarrett. I've always I've always liked Grady Jarrett. Um, he's, he's the best of a bad bunch on the Falcons, to put it that way, um, yeah. on their defensive line. He's their best one. Um, other than him, I think I, I would expect us to be able to run the ball on the Falcons. With, with our full healthy complement of running backs. If we can't, then then there is really some serious problems going on. Um, so, yeah, and, and again, I, I, I think the Falcons secondary is okay. I, I don't mind AJ Terrell, but again, there's, there's matchups there that I like when you look at it on paper. If we can sort of be maybe... Because Pete Carroll said we're going to look at opening up the playbook a bit more. We trust Gino now to throw the ball down the field more. So what, let's see what, <laughs> let's see if he, uh, how much that trust extends to and how far that extends to. Um, but uh, look, we're, we're at home. I always expect us to play better at home. The, the fans that turn up to Lumen are going to expect a, a bounce back performance. Um, you would expect, as Pez has said, that the players hopefully will be motivated to put certain things right after last week and bounce back at home. 
and 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 stay undefeated at home because I'll tell you what, it, it, that, that's a that's a record that that they want to keep going. Um, so yeah, it, it's didn't that record die ages ago at home? Yeah, on un- un- being unbeaten at home, didn't that record? I want to know. Oh, right, you want to restart. I'm on about the, yeah, right, this is yeah, the reset, isn't yeah. it? I'm on about this season, Pez. It's the great reset. The great reset, yeah. Um, so, yeah, for this season, keep keep us unbeaten at home as long as we can. Anything anything to cling on to, anything to defend, anything to motivate, cling on to it this season. Um, so, let's, so let's do it, man. I, I'm going to say, I don't think it's going to be high scoring because I think it's two poor teams, granted saying that, those two poor team games are often actually quite high-scoring games in the NFL. Um, but I, I think these are two pretty stagnant offences at the minute for me. Um, I, I, I'll say 21-14. Nice and easy. One-score game, 21-14. Um, some, something in that bracket. And, and, we'll, and we'll move back into the, uh, the plus 500 column. Two and one. I'll tell you what. Going at the Lions and then the Saints. I mean, it's if they win against the Falcons. I mean, but to be fair though, I'm, I'm rambling now. But the Lions, you are. I know, but I, I did say the Lions are a better team than people are giving them credit for, and they are. I think that is a tough game against away at the Lions. Um, but we'll see. Falcons. I think we can beat them at home. I'd expect us to. Um, I know we're going to be a bad team, but let's. Let's beat the Falcons at home, please. Come on, let's not be that bad. Um, so, yeah, man, um, thank you, everyone, again, for listening. Um, I hope you've all enjoyed it. Um, it's been the We Talk Seahawks podcast in association with the Full 10 Yards Network. Did, I, I've just changed up the ending there, lads. Do you like that? Oh, yeah. It's that nice. nice. Slid in well. Nice. Yeah, you're welcome. That's why I'm the host of this pod. <laughs> so uh, get back in your box. Um, yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, go Hawks, man. Go Hawks.